Hello and welcome to Thank You Come Again. This is an e-commerce podcast sponsored by Wonderment, where we dive into the actual strategies that leading D2C brands are using to not only make their customers come back and buy again, but have the best possible customer experiences. I'm Blake and Burl. I started my career as a retention marketer, and now I'm focused on being a shepherd of knowledge for you and others on all things retention marketing. You won't find any top 10 guru guides here. Instead, I want you to walk away from each episode with battle-tested and actionable insights that's going to help you to move a needle forward and driving repeat business. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this week's episode of Thank You, Come Again. Today, I am joined by Ben Zettler, a digital marketing and e-commerce consultant and the founder of Ben Zettler Digital. Ben, thanks for joining the show, man. How are you? I'm doing really great. I appreciate you having me on. I'm excited to be here and and you know kind of dive into things. Yeah, super stoked to have you and to have you as one of our early guests. Uh, thank you, Come Again. So we're building the ship while flying in here, so to speak. So we'll kind of take it as we go. Um, but today's episode is all about content creation and the importance of really building, I think, a, a winning retention marketing strategy. Um, super stoked to get into that. But before we get into that, can you just share with our listeners, uh, who is Ben Zettler? What are you up to? What's your background kind of like in this space? Yeah, 100%. You know, that's a question I get all the time, especially as I'm you know thinking about pitching clients and how we work with folks. And I've had a really interesting journey um, and one that I think um, really benefits what what I and we offer as a service, um, you know, having been on the other side of the fence uh, from a, an e-commerce operations perspective of working for a large scale brand, also building my own company um, in, you know, first having a background in, in running social media for a company called Steiner Sports for a long time. Um, and eventually my role kind of growing there into overseeing other aspects of the e-commerce business. Um, also founding a, a sunglasses company that uh, was store number 41,000 or so on Shopify. Um, you know, not, not the earliest of uh, adopters there to the platform, but very much before Shopify's rapid growth phase over the last, you know, five, six, seven years. Um, and what that's really done is helped to inform a lot of what we do today, which is you know, building websites and running email and text marketing on Klaviyo and running um, you know, ads management uh, for the clients that we work with. Um, and again, trying to, to, to give merchants that we work with that unique perspective. Oh, okay, I understand like all the different factors that come into like producing that product or selling that product and the costs involved and like the whole um, process. But I'm, I'm already ranting too far, you know, further than I should be, but um, you know, the, the high level summary of like what we do is, um, you know, we're a, a digital marketing agency that, that builds websites for folks that helps them make more money online. And um, we have a lot of fun doing it. Love it. And I think, you know, I mean, first of all, I think your background speaks volumes, I think, to the expertise that you bring, you know, to the clients that you work with. I think it's so, so impactful to have a brand experience and to be able to kind of like be that sort of like a player coach, if you will. You're kind of, you know, you're able to understand both sides of it. Um, so I, I, that's kind of, you know, my background as well, starting in the brand side and then coming over to, you know, agency life for a little while, um, uh, you know, and, and tech now, but I think it's also great to have that rounded, uh, well-rounded background. And I know that you have a lot of, you know, great insight about content and retention. That's what this episode is, you know, really focused on. And during our pre-interview, Ben, you talked a lot about the power of content and, you know, some, some of your own experience, you know, on the brand side, um, has really, I'm sure lended yourself to how you think about this, but, um, 
I think one of the things that we were talking about was how content can really sell without selling. And when it's delivered over email uh, channels like email, SMS, social, um, it can be so, so more impactful. And the, also the other side of this is that retention channels over the last few years have sort of become like echo chambers, if you will, for recycled sales promos and just uninspiring content. I definitely have seen this myself, you know, as I've watched more and more brands double down on email and SMS. Um, can you just talk to me a little bit about the importance of content? Um, you know, I know it's a pretty wide kind of thing here, but just any broad strokes there and how it can really help to build customer engagement. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's going to be different for every business, but it's core essentially to everything that you do as a brand, as a company, as trying to ultimately sell something online. I mean, that's at the end of the day, at least in, in my world, in our world, that's that's what everybody's essentially doing here. Um, you know, I can think of a couple of really great examples of, you know, folks that I've either worked with, worked for that, um, that do a really good job of just not, not being the, Hey, here, get this 20% off, you know, Hey, here, get this, uh, you know, it's, it's new. There's only a hundred and you know, it's 20% off. And then, Hey, here, we were running a 40% off sale. And then, Hey, now we're running a 60% off sale. You don't want to be that because you're, you're, um, you're not in theory, adding much value to the customer experience. You're not adding much value to you as a company. You're just really like undercutting your own margins and, and losing money. Um, so yeah, content is, I hate, I hate using like buzzwordy phrases, but, but content truly is king. Um, and what I mean by that is, um, you know, just, just one example, Promix Nutrition, which is a client of mine. Um, they're also a, a user of, of Wonderment. So a quick plug there, but, um, Promix is a brand that does a really great job of engaging with users on social media in the, the fitness, sports, sort of lifestyle type of community without, you know, just jamming it down people's throats that, you know, here we are selling these products and releasing these new products and, you know, putting sales on these products. In fact, they never, they ran, aside from last Black Friday, which was their first sale ever, they ran a, a, you know, a special sale to celebrate the birthday of one of their founders over the summer and that's it. But, um, the more important point being that um, for them, it's all about the content that they're putting on social from a network of influencers and, and ambassadors that they built, um, workout tips and recipe tips and, and things that have to do with the products that they're selling, certainly. And, and that's part of where the selling of the product comes in of, you know, if you want uh, 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 like a, uh, protein, like chocolate protein balls that are taking uh, protein powder and, you know, and that's part of the recipe for creating that really delicious, nutritious snack. Um, yeah, sure. They're selling there, but um, it's adding this extra layer of value to the customer experience that is um, going to be a whole lot more effective in the long run. And we've seen it than, you know, just batch and blast. Hey, here we have this new product. Hey, here, you know, here's this sale. Um, another good example, thinking back to my my time at my my previous job before I, I made the jump and and made the full time uh, leap into, into agency life. But um, so I mentioned I, I worked for a company called Steiner Sports. Steiner was the the largest autograph sports memorabilia company of its kind uh, up until three years ago. They were around for about thirty years, but three years ago, Fanatics bought the company. Um, but at Steiner, what we tried to do was break away from what had been that, you know, that batch and blast here, we have this product and it's X price, which, you know, in the, in the sport, and I'm actually, I'm holding a baseball as we're just, just by chance as we're, we're uh, recording this, but um, you know, some of the product of the industry sports memorabilia and what you're selling is that element of, you know, the, 
the hot market, the the player that's doing really well, and you know, here's this product at this price, and you know, you're not going to get this elsewhere. That buying and selling, trading aspect. That sure, maybe maybe some of that price sensitivity stuff comes into play more so than other brands. But we still tried to break away from that as best as possible over, over the course of my time there. Um, and so, in the social content that we were putting out, we put a heavy focus on you know what what is the thing that could add to the experience of a sports fan, even though, you know, we weren't the the team account or the player account or the, the, the thing that is most closely tied to that sport or team or player they love. Um, and so that that became things like uh, interviews with players that we were doing signings with and, you know, other like fun pieces of content that we would create like with the players in our office or, um, even just like Instagram polls, like when, when that stuff came out for the first time and like, who do you think is going to win tonight? What's your, you know, your favorite X, Y, Z player of, you know, this era, like there's so much that you can work off of, at least in the sports world. Um, you know, because there's thousands of players and hundreds of teams and different eras and, and just so much that you can do without having to talk about the product itself. Um, and and we, we really thrived off that because then when when you have that um, content focus, when there are the times where, you know what, you are running a sale or there is something that is uh, a unique product or, or something that you have in limited quantities or something that is worthwhile shouting from the mountaintops about, um, then the messaging is it can be that much more effective because, you know, it's not falling on deaf ears anymore. People aren't, um, you know, so used to just hearing the same cadence of messaging over and over and over. Um, now, those are just two examples, but but really, uh, it's my belief that that type of thing can be applicable across really any type of business and over different mediums. Like the ones I use were kind of specifically with a, a focus on social, but you, know, you can do the same for for email marketing. You can do the same for text marketing. You can do, um, you know, you can build communities of users in, in different ways and, and generate interest from individuals in different ways. Um, and it's really something that every brand needs to do in order to have um, some level of success. And, in you know, as we're recording this 2022, but, you know, and down into the future, for sure. No doubt. I think so many good things to unpack there. And I think, um, you know, one of the things I'm hearing, too, is that Content is a way to kind of bridge the gap. Um, and, and when you're thinking about, you know, consideration of purchase, you need some of those things. Maybe you're on the fence or maybe you just want to engage a little bit more and kind of learn about the brand. Like content can be a great way to kind of be able to just increase engagement, I, I think, across email, SMS, social, all, all those things you mentioned. But um, one of the questions I have for you is so thinking about the mediums in which we disseminate content. So is it mm -hmm. is it blog posts? Is it videos? Is it um, some of the social stuff, is it all of the above, like uh, someone thinking about a content strategy? Is it as simple as just putting a blog post on a site and sending it to you know people over email? Like what, what would you think is some of the, the most effective ways to make sure content is, is consumed from a, a consumer standpoint? It's a great question. And there isn't really one answer. Um, you know, when I first started at Steiner, for example, that was 2014. So this was kind of like, before, before, uh, you know, working with, with creators or influencers or, uh, you know, 
that that wasn't a thing. Like it, it wasn't, or it, it was at least a thing. It's always been a thing. I mean, you've always had you know endorsements with people, but but it it wasn't uh, it wasn't really a known quantity. It wasn't like the common thing for most brands that are trying to sell something online. We're doing, um, so it, it's going to be different for everyone. And I'd say now there's more emphasis put on it for a lot of brands than there was. It's hard to believe that it's almost nine years ago um, where you're getting more folks that are working at a company that are specifically you know, managing social media or they're you know, managing CRM or they're, uh, they are the, the content strategist on the team or they are the uh, ambassador liaison. Like there, there's a lot more of a focus for a lot of companies on that, which is a good thing, uh, but it's not necessarily a focus for everyone. Or in a lot of cases, it's just a lot of work that's ultimately passed off to a junior level employee, which which doesn't necessarily um, uh, it doesn't necessarily put the right emphasis on it for that company. But for anybody that might be listening, that maybe they are in that boat, maybe they are that sort of like maybe it's not the right term to use, like, you know, junior level, but like that, that, you know, couple years out of school type of hire where you're expected to sort of do everything and then not be paid enough for it. Um, there, there's a lot of opportunity there uh, as long as the brand that you're working for is relatively flexible um, to try a lot of different things. I mean, cause for, to go back to your example, like, yeah, maybe it is a once a week blog post or maybe it's totally not. I, I mean, maybe you put something out there and, and it really starts to resonate with the audience. Like, you know, you write a blog post and it's a, you know, it's maybe it's a food-based business. So like recipes are going to be super, super relevant. And that's something where I would put a heavy emphasis on blogs that people are putting out there. And then how are you um, uh, amplifying the reach of that content across different mediums? Like, okay, your, your most engaged users on email, they might want to see that recipe from yeah, the that, that might include a product that they purchased before or you know putting out a social post that includes a video of how to make that recipe or a preview of what's contained within the blog or even putting paid marketing behind it um you know and that and that might be something that works great and then you build a consistent flow and it's something that's done every week or twice a week or 10 times a month whatever it is or it might be something that completely flops um and that might not be the way it might not be that blog but it might be um, you know, unique ways to use SMS, which I don't see a lot of brands doing, which a lot of it is the batch and blast type of stuff, but maybe it's just really trying to actually create a conversation without, um, again, I, I hate using the whole thing, the buzzwordy type things, but, um, without using buzzwords, what I mean is literally create conversations with users over SMS. So like, all right, you have 5,000 people in your list. Okay. Send them uh, send them something that says, Hey, how are you doing today? And like, see what happens and see what types of responses you get and have conversations with people. And, you know, we had somebody at Steiner that actually did that for like an older text marketing platform that we were on where people would then all the time text that number and say, I'll give my friend Mike a shout out. So, Hey, you know, Hey Mike, I I'm looking for X, Y, Z, you know, can you help? And, and that's exactly what we were doing that for. So that when someone did have a need that they could reach out and then they could, whether they knew they were talking to someone like as a person or not, or if there's 10 different people that are answering those text messages, whatever it is, they feel that they can reach someone directly and they have that little extra relationship with the brand that they're working with. And it's, it's great. Um, 
Sure. And I think, you know, that's a, that's a good point too on the, you know, the conversational side of SMS and like content could be a great segue into starting conversations. Um, sweatshirt I'm wearing here is a point that tone we, was a yep. business I was at for a while. We, we made a whole business off of conversational SMS and putting a lot of content in the conversations that we were having, if it was linking out to things that people were asking about sizing or, you know, like if it was the right uh, you know, product for the need or use case that they were looking for. Like there's a lot of things that like content can actually just start organic conversations. Um, and that was one, one of the questions I wanted to ask you too, was like, um, I know a lot of people view email and SMS as like revenue based channels. And when we talk about content, a lot of times it's a long tail effect of like, maybe that content email or SMS isn't going to drive the 10, 15, $20,000, you know, flashy numbers that we see, but like the click-through rates are there. And some of those kind of behaviors that we know are going to generate, you know, more long-term, I think, engagement and overall just, you know, uh, retention. So my question to you is like, is it like the goal of content to drive revenue in the short term, or should we be thinking more long-term with how we view content on these channels? Generally, I would say long-term. But that's not to say that like something like sort of short term can work. Like it, again, if to go back to it, if you have that relationship already, if that is something that has been built over the long term, then you can take advantage of those opportunities where there is something where you can you know, hit a group of users with some sales focused messaging and it not be something that you know people just dismiss or people just delete. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it is very much a long-term thing. I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, what do you what do you want to do as a brand? You you want to sell, and you want to sell the same people again and again and again. Um, the only way to do that is to create people to to create real brand evangelists. You know, people that um, like the products that you're selling. Um, do you have a product that, in theory? you know, is, is replenishable or, or do you have different product offerings that you can cross sell with, um, you know, with, with, you know, if it's clothing, for example, if it's jewelry, if it's things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the long-term goal at the end of the day is, you know, sell more, make more. Um, but you know, how do you do that? Um, and that's where it, it, it's something that takes a long time to really figure out and get an understanding of like, okay, who are your customers and how are they going to react to, uh, a certain type of email or a certain type of text or a certain type of social post or certain ways that your website is formatted or what's written in a blog. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, I even want to go back to what I was talking about before, just like with the example of like, you know, the, the employee that's probably got too much that's saddled on them and maybe they're just a couple years out of school and don't have the seasoning that goes into like managing all these different processes. But, you know, it's, there's always a, there's always an opportunity if you're willing to experiment with different channels and try different things and, um, you know, find what works. Um, and then when something works, you know, keep going with it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you definitely want to think about like, to, just to get tactical for a second, like, like if I'm thinking about email and SMS, like you want to really get very specific of, you know, send cadence and you know how often are you how often are you sending emails to users you know how are those individual groups of users resonating like how is your segmentation set up so that you know the users that are most interested that you know what they're going to open every single email like that you make sure that you send that to them or they're going to click on every single email that they're getting everything but not you know that's only a small percentage of the users that are ultimately going to you know be in the list um 
you know, and what are the things that are worthy of sending to, to everyone? You know, are you making a big announcement? Are you doing a collaboration with an influencer? Are you doing X, Y, and Z? Um, you know, when I'm thinking about the approach that we take with a lot of clients that we work with, um, like for email, for example, um, you know, we, there's always going to be some sales angle for the most part, but what kind of goes along with that? What's the story that you're telling that has to do with that product? How is, you know, if it's a, if it's a workout supplement, you know, how is this product going to make them feel? How is it going to benefit them as opposed to like, oh, here's what's in the product or here's what the product is, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, it's this thing I know I'm being kind of, I feel like I'm being kind of vague, right? Like, no, I, I think, I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. It's, it's the, a lot of what I think is the, the goal is obviously to, you know, make them feel something to make them feel like, um, you know, this is the right thing for them. I think like, it's um, a really great thing that content can do is like to kind of break down some of those barriers of like people know when they're being sold to, but like when there's actual value that kind of comes from the content, I know it's a really ambiguous thing in a lot of ways to kind of described for like every brand. But I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And I guess like I'd love to understand too, it's like, should we be thinking about content? Is it more important like pre-purchase? Is it more important post-purchase with customers? Like, is it is it totally different? Um, can you like talk me through like some of how you even think about that? Like, because I know automations are a huge piece of this as well with email and SMS and delivering that content and having it at the right cadence. Um, but how do you kind of differentiate like pre-purchase content versus like post-purchase content? That's a really good question. And actually something that I, I get feedback on a lot from merchants that I work with, like, let's say it's, you know, someone that's selling something that's a relatively high value product, something that, you know, high enough that they have typically like extremely low conversion rates because they're driving a lot of traffic to their site, but you know, Hey, here's this $1,500 thing. Like, no one's just going to like buy that from a Facebook ad. Um, a lot of those types of brands I've seen in the past have been like super hesitant to put emphasis on an email marketing program or a text mm-hmm. marketing program because they think like, okay, you know, I've, I've gotten the sale and the likelihood that they're going to buy anything else from us is pretty low. You know, if their repeat purchase rate is like, you know, 3% or 5%, um, then what do I need email for? What do I need to be like sending email blasts? But you know, we try to flip the conversation to say, well, you know, if you're you're spending all this money on ads, let's say, and you're you're renting users' attention spans, you know, in their in their news feeds, and then you're getting them to your site, and then they haven't bought yet because you know it's a fairly sizable investment that you're asking them to make, regardless of what the product is. Um, then what are you going to do to get them back to the site again? Um, and what are you going to do to like educate them more? Like the only thing that you're going to then do in that scenario is you're going to have to keep, keep spending the money on the advertising. That individual user is going to need to see another ad and they're going to need to click mm-hmm. through on another ad and then they're going to have to go through the same process. Um, so that's where like email and SMS, even for a brand like that becomes really, really important because, it, and it is all about the presale, like in that example, like it's, it's what information can you give that's going to educate them about what it is that you're selling or the, the lifestyle that goes along with that product. Um, and then can you get that user to, you know, over the hump to, to make that, that purchase. Um, sure. 
And so it's like really, really important. Um, now that's not to say that it's not important for a brand that like, let's say it's a much lower cost type of product, a 30 or $40 cost. It's a, a replenishable product. It's something that, you know, in theory, like someone should be coming back and buying again and again and again, if they like it, um, then I'd say it's kind of both. It's, well, you want to educate people enough to make the purchase. Um, you, know, you want to serve the relevant content in the welcome flow. You want to, um, you want to drive, you know, all those points home, but then, okay, now they bought and what's their review experience and what's their delivery experience and their shipping experience. And, um, you know, what's everything that's happening post-purchase and, you know, when should they in theory be buying again? So Mm -hmm. what other information are you giving? Um, and again, not just sales focused stuff, but I, I don't, I don't mean to I'm going to bring them up again only because I just, I think it's such a good example, but not because I'm trying to like, you know, give them too much pub, but um, ProMix is a really good example um, because they're selling workout supplements. They are, um, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously a replenishable product, it's a consumable product. So it's something that, you know, if you like the pre-workout or if you like the protein or if you like um, the collagen or any other products that they offer, there's plenty. Um, then it's something that once you run out, then yeah, you, you, if that's part of your lifestyle, then you, you should want to buy again. But like, what are the things that are going to help educate you about what you've already bought or the products that you don't have yet, but what could in theory be put in front of you based on the products that you've, uh, you've purchased before. So what's your affinity for other products? Um, those are all things that we think about when, when going through the process of, um, you know, uh, sending email campaigns and also setting up automated flows to users over time. But the approach can really be applied to, again, any type of business. Um, you know, if it's, um, if it's a jewelry company and you, you just sold this pair of earrings, this, um, you know, it's just sterling silver earrings with like a little red, like jewel in it. It's not like, you know, it's not fine jewelry. It's not diamonds, but, Hey, you have a matching necklace that goes along with that or matching bracelet. And okay. Like what, what are you putting in front of users that in theory might make want, want to make them, um, you know, buy that complimentary product. Sure. Um, and so with, yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends on every, you know, every, every business at the end of the day. Yeah. No, so it's the, it's the golden rule of e-commerce. It, it depends in a lot of ways, yeah. but I, I think, um, no, this is all really insightful. I think to think about is, you know, obviously there's a lot of things that we can, you know, consider in our content sort of creates um, just conversations with customer introduces things. I think post-purchase is a really interesting place for content. I think it's sort of like we get really caught up as marketers and well, shoot, we got to do a review request. We got to have, you know, updates on where their shipping is at. You know, we got to have, um, you know, a replenished reminder, but like the content can be such a valuable way to, just lead with, you know, value, I think. So I'm curious, like when you think about engaging with content post-purchase, are there particular places or timing of like, like that you like to put content in? Is it like to like once they purchase like some of that content to alleviate buyer's remorse? Is it like to educate them on, um, you know, if it's a replenishable, maybe to get them in the behavior of like, hey, you should reorder this at some point, like any just like kind of 
broader thoughts maybe on like the the purposes that you're trying to maybe accomplish with with content post-purchase yeah 100 percent um you know i'll go back to the example of like if it's a product that is super high higher value for you know for most consumers and um is you know you're putting a really heavy emphasis on that pre-purchase process in order to get them over the hump well okay now they've bought and now they bought this you know two thousand dollar thing whatever that thing, i don't even want to give an example because it can be anything now, are there, are there things that someone needs to learn about that product in order, you know, how to use it or, um, you know, what their unboxing experience should be like? What should their expectations be that like, okay, yay, let's celebrate that you bought this thing. And now what happens? Um, that's a really good opportunity too. You, you know, even if it's not a, um, a situation where somebody might be buying again from you in 30 days, but you still want to maintain that connection in some way um on a brand level because then yeah maybe you release something else down the line that that you want to um that you do want to you know upsell to users that have bought from you before or or you want to drive referrals because you know what someone's gonna only buy from you once ever and yet you absolutely love this product and you can you know if you can build a mechanism for users to get people that they know to to um, you know, buy from you, then, you know, that, that, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it, it always depends. It always depends. Um, <laughs> it, it, it really does depend on what the products are. Like sure. what, what is it that, um, uh, you, you know, I'll, I'll use an example and I have no affiliation association with them whatsoever. They are not a client that I am not an investor, nothing, absolute, like nothing. Um, but, uh, cold plunge, for example, if like, if you know the brand, like they mm-hmm. sell, what is it, like a three, $4,000 bathtub basically. Right. And I don't mean to sound like I'm minimizing it. Like I, I like, I like the product. I don't own one, but I, I like the approach. I, I haven't, you know, gone as far as like gone through a buying experience with them. I don't know what they're serving. Um, my approach would be if, if I were selling this three or $4,000 thing, that is, you know, very good for your body to, you know, be in, you know, 40 degree, uh, uh, you know, uh, 40 degree cold plunge for five minutes a day in the morning. And, you know, all the features about the product of how it, um, you know, cycles through the water supply and you never have to get like ice and it's the, all, all the benefits for having a product like that. Okay. Now you've, you've bought the three or $4,000 thing and now, okay, now that I bought it, what do I do? Like, how is it being delivered? Uh, when it gets delivered, what, what do I need to be equipped with within my home in order to hook it up properly? Um, you know, what, all the, the common questions for a higher value product should, you should try to answer it in the, in the post-purchase process, because for something like that, you're going to get a lot of them. And, um, you're from a customer service perspective, you want to be there for customers, but you also want, to, you don't want your team to be taxed either. Um, but again, it always depends. Like it, it, even for like any any type of product, like um, you know, maybe you're selling coffee, and and the the D2C coffee that you're selling, uh, someone has bought, and so what flavor did they buy? Mm-hmm. And so did they buy pumpkin spice? And I'm just thinking that because now it's October and it's almost Halloween and all that. But you know, did they buy pumpkin spice? And if they bought pumpkin spice, like you know, maybe they just love the fall and this time of year and you're going to serve them a particular type of uh, post-purchase email, even just as a thank you, 
with no other call to action, no content other than a pumpkin spice themed email. Um, the same thing, maybe, maybe you have a peppermint coffee. Um, and you know, that's a little more holiday ish kind of, you know, winter and maybe there's, there's something to be done there. Um, so like there's, there's always, there's always an angle, uh, I right. guess is the point. Like there's always something that you can do. And then, and really without getting too overwhelmed with it, like it's really a question of what do you prioritize? Um, you know, as the brand, like, yeah, you probably are, are going to end up prioritizing the things that in theory are going to make you money. Like, first of all. Um, but if you're a brand that has, let's say the resources where there is a customer service team, or even if at least if it's one or two people that are dedicated to that, or if it's one or two people that are dedicated to social or one or two people that are dedicated to email, it, it does give you a little bit more flexibility in order to, you know, put different content series in place and like you know, really uh, help boost, you know, uh, customer sentiment and, and just people's overall feelings about a brand, which, you know, on a, on a long tail, you can kind of get an understanding of how that has an overall impact on revenue at the end of the day. But, but yeah, I mean, for so many brands that are out there, like, you know, cause I did it right. I, I did it with the, the sunglasses company that I had, um, you know, you're doing everything. Um, so there's only so many things that you can do. Um, so you just got to really prioritize, like, what are the things that, you know, you've, seen and experimented with and seen to have some level of impact. And then you kind of keep going in that, that direction because it's, you know, it's seemingly like, you know, having a positive influence on performance of the business and you keep, you keep going from there. Yeah. 100%. I, I think um, it's a really, you know, just great differentiator to mentioning like the cold plunge example, you know, the coffee brands as well. Like um, it's, it's also being there for the customer, being a thousand steps ahead of them, anticipating needs post-purchase and like using content to deliver that, um, you know, whether that's using just conventional post-purchase emails, like an order tracking page, you know, transactional, whatever, whatever you're using to deliver those things, not to, not to plug Wonderman again, but I, I think it's like we see a lot of great value from putting content here and, and it elicits the click. It gets a customer back to site, which we know can also do a lot of great things as well. But um, it's also just investing in like what makes the brand unique. And I think like to go back to like the start of our conversation, like we talked about like SMS, email, social becoming like these social chain, uh, these echo chambers. Mm -hmm. And this is a great way to get out of that trap is to just invest in content and have a strategy. And before we kind of like wrap up this discussion, like I, I wanted to play a little bit of like hypothetical uh, yep. kind of like if we were to put like Ben's, you know, like founder hat on and you were to start, let's pick a, like a, to let's do a CPG brand. Let's say we sell sparkling water, highly commoditized space. Yep. If you had to give a quick rapid fire, just what you would think about like a content strategy, what would you prioritize or think about? Um, and it could just be a few things. It doesn't have to be all exhausted, but what would you think about uh, with that? Well, if you're selling something like water, it's all content, right? I mean, look at what Liquid Death has done, for example. Um, you know, they've created this incredible brand selling canned water and they're doing a really, really good job of it. <laughs> um, it's just, it's all about what is the lifestyle of the Liquid Death consumer that makes drinking Liquid Death, which again is water, different than, you know, I'm drinking right now as we're doing this, you know, Kirkland, you know, Costco water, like it just, you know, it's all about the, the content. It's all about the lifestyle that you're portraying. It's all about 
everything that has almost nothing to do with the product in a way, if that makes sense. Um, now, granted, look, there's there's some differences in different waters and you know minerals that are contained within, and you know there is some of that. There is some differentiation, but at the end of the day, still water. Um, sure. And so, yeah, I mean that that's when a brand needs to be all in on brand, all in on what is it that you're you're what are you selling? What's this aspirational thing that that you're putting out there? Because um, otherwise, it's just water. When you think about that too, is it like creating a bunch of like content that you would link out to? Is it putting that content in the emails and the SMSs about what makes like that lifestyle unique? Is it a bit of both? Like how would how would you actually deliver content like that then? Yeah, yeah, I think it's both. I mean, I, we like to do a lot. Like, it's not really like any revolutionary idea, but but not to have like social operate in a silo because like mm-hmm. a lot of times that can happen and it, it's it's easy for that to happen but you know you might have uh, whether it's 10,000 or 50,000 or 5,000 or 200,000 people that are in an email list or you know tens of thousands in an SMS list um but you know maybe you only have uh 20,000 followers on Instagram I'm just throwing numbers out there but you know, clearly there are plenty of people that are in your sphere. They're in your world. Um, you know, they, they have a general awareness of the brand, whether they've purchased before, they haven't purchased before. Sure. Um, but, you know, cross pollinate those things. Like you've put out this great video on social, then, you know, put a preview in an email, like make it like take a couple screen grabs, make a GIF, uh, put it in an email, put it in an SMS, like don't sell anything. Just be like, Oh my God, this thing that we made is hilarious. Like it doesn't have to be as like informal as that, but um, you know, just you use your, your own marketing lists as sort of a mechanism to amplify your social content. We love doing that. I I don't see a lot of brands doing that enough. Um, You know, they'll go as far as like, you know, and you're welcome flow. Hey, follow us on Instagram. And that's, that's like the only emphasis that's ever really put on it other than maybe like they have a, a footer, you know, some element in their footer that's just like, you know, linking out to Instagram, oh, use hashtag X, Y, Z, but like, you know, really making it a focus of the content that's being put out there, um, I think can kind of be a little bit of a game changer, especially with like how, you know, algorithms work, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you put a post out on Instagram, just for example, and then you just sent, you just emailed that to 40,000 people and, you know, okay, of the 40,000 people you sent it to, you know, 30% open and, you know, maybe, you know, 5%, you know, click, but, you know, okay, those still those 5% are, are making it to your post and, you know, a, a percentage of those are going to engage with it. They're going to comment, they're going to like something. And if it's actually good content, that's, that's going to help, um, amplify the reach of that. And then, Oh, what's this brand? And it's, it's just, it's this, this cycle that, that keeps going and going and going. Um, it's, it's all momentum. And I think a lot of ways, yeah. but it's like the omni-channel cross pollination. It's kind of delivering the lifestyle, you know, a little bit further and getting them engaged in the, it's an ecosystem in, in a lot of ways, I think with, with social. Um, and so if, if lifestyle and aspirations are like big and like a CPG or like, you know, just a, you know, a commoditized space, let's call it that. Mm-hmm. What about um, what about something like a you know beauty and cosmetics brand? Would there be any mm-hmm. differences there where like you know products are used more frequently? Um, how would you approach content in a space like that? 
It's a little bit different for sure. Um, because in a space like that, the, I mean, I guess the, the same could be true for, for any business now, but uh, the barrier to entry or the, the costs, the acquisition costs tend to be fairly high, um, at least from what I've seen. And I guess in theory, it's, you know, if someone is using a particular, like if it's, if it's makeup, if it's a facial cleanser, if it's, um, you know, mascara, like whatever it might be, um, most folks that may use a product like that, they have a product like that, that they use. Um, now they may get to the point of like, yeah, I'm looking for something else. And that's like, that's a good starting point for a brand to work off of. But in general, they, they've got experience with something. So how do you get them to get to the point of wanting to try something else, especially if they weren't looking to do so? Um, that's where you're, you're selling the benefits. You're selling the things that it can do. You're showcasing reviews, whether that's written uh, with also images or if you're getting video reviews, like there's, I think there is a lot more like kind of upfront selling, even for a product like that. So like go back to what we were talking about earlier, like, all right, if it's a high value product, a lot of like the pre-sell, but even for something like this, even if you're selling something for 20, 30, $40, whatever it is, there's a lot going into that pre-sale. Sure. Um, there's a lot going into like the, helping someone understand like why is your product better than another is it the you know no um uh, is it no um pollutants is it uh, cruelty free like is it does it work um there's so many different things to think about and interesting challenges to think about there i'll give another shout out only because like i, I see there's like a really good example um are you familiar with gatsby yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So for everybody listening that doesn't know what Gatsby is, Gatsby um, is a really dynamic, I'd like to think of it as like a social listening tool and a data connector that can um, take things that are happening on your Instagram and users that are tagging on you on your Instagram, on your TikTok um, and other channels and can bring that into a tool like Clavio. Mm -hmm. And What's really powerful about that is you, know, you can create a um, essentially create like a, your own influencer program. You know, so as opposed to using like, you know, it, it can be done in tandem with it, but but really as opposed to using like a a, um, a service that has a network of a hundred thousand different creators, like this is more for. Um, amplifying the reach of your brand through your customers posts which is very cool so for example you know you've you've bought from you know beauty brand xyz before you go back to their website okay you bought before your your profile is cookied your information is in there they know you're in the clavio list they know you bought so serve a pop-up that says hey um you know if you join our ambassador program um you know you can get twenty dollars off your next purchase and then all you have to do is you enter your email, you enter your Instagram handle. Um, now, once you've done that, because of how Gatsby works, that can connect um, your you as the, the consumer. That'll connect your Instagram profile uh, with their Clavio, and they can see okay, how many followers do you have? Uh, what's your um, typical like level of engagement? Um, you know how you know we'll call it like valid. Are you as a potential lead for for the program? Uh, and for whatever conditions that the brand may want to set, 
you can say, okay, for everybody over uh, 2000 followers, uh, just for example, um, you know, serve them a, an email that says, Hey, you were accepted. You're in our ambassador program. Um, you know, post a video using our product, um, and make sure to tag us. And when you do, you'll get $20 off. You, you make the post, you make the tag. Once you've made that tag, that triggers a flow in Clavio that says, Hey, here's your 20 bucks. And here's this single use discount code that can't be spread anywhere else, but that's specific to you. It's valid for 14 days. Here, go make your next purchase. Um, Gatsby's great for creating that. I haven't seen another tool that can do something like that. I'm sure it might be out there, but um, uh, we've been working with them actually for a number of different clients uh, on doing things exactly like that. Um, that's awesome. And and that's like just this other, that's just this untapped thing, right? Like everybody wants to talk about influencer marketing, but what is that really? Like, you know, eight years ago when I started the sunglasses business, um, I built that company entirely off of influencer marketing. Now, influencer marketing wasn't like the popular phrase yet, but what did I do? I reached out to people on Instagram. I said, hey, um, you're building this inf- Instagram following and like, you know, Instagram was not in its infancy, but but it was Different kind times. of where TikTok sure. is now, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll send you some sunglasses. You take a couple photos, put a post up, you know, great. And that's it. And all good. Uh, I think the most I ever paid someone and once I only paid someone once was $60. Mm -hmm. Um, and it did great. Uh, The post did great, but all the people that posted that at the time had a couple hundred thousand followers that now some of them have, you know, 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, 10 million followers who all did it for free. Uh, all those posted great too. Um, but that doesn't, that approach doesn't really work anymore. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, the creator economy has changed a lot, you know, and I think, um, you know, now it's like this whole micro influencer versus, you know, larger influencer debate that seems to be Mm -hmm. going on. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, like, you know, influencers, creators, whatever we're calling them now are such great content, you know, machines for us to tap into, we can figure out. And I, it seems like tools like Gatsby, you know, have really helped you to make that happen, but also connecting it to Klaviyo takes it another step closer i think to really bridging the gap in, in a lot of ways and also just yeah. having to you know cutting out the service I, I think of you know having that middleman which i know is yeah automating the process is one piece two is having real customers participate in that as opposed exactly. to like like a you know what someone would think of as like an influencer program can absolutely work i mean i've seen it work but it could also not work you know if just that person who's created that content is like it's just not really resonating or you know the way algorithms have changed like it's not you know having much of an impact but for someone who's just you know even if it's somebody that's got they've got a couple hundred followers and those followers are just their friends and they use the xyz product and you're rewarding that person for you know showcasing um something for a referral in a little bit of a different way rather than just say give $10, get $10. Okay. Send this email with this link, you know, for it to your friend. And if they click through and buy, then great. It's just a little bit of a different approach. Um, and it can be really, really effective. Um, totally. I think, um, you know, this is, this is an example that I, I kind of thought of. So my, my wife has uh, an Instagram handle for our Australian shepherds and, nice. you know, it's like, it became like a little bit of like a micro influencer page, got a couple thousand followers. And I think Pupbox ended up sponsoring them, but like we drove a lot of sales for Pupbox because we just had this engaged Australian shepherd community. Yep. And I, I think it, it goes against the grain of conventional kind of knowledge, which has been like, you know, you have to work with these, you know, larger, you know, to five, 10 million follower type accounts. Um, but really the authentic content can come, you know, from 
some of those micro accounts uh, as well. But that that spills into email and SMS and all that content. It, it kind of creates this ecosystem, I think, within that too. So a lot of benefit for Footbox for, for sending probably yeah. a little bit. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, know. no, 100%. That's a really great example. Totally. Well, I um, yeah, I would love to, to you know keep talking about all this content stuff. I think we, you know, we're at a good stopping point here, but I think it'd be great to bring you back on and talk more about influencer strategies. I know but that is something that a lot of folks are thinking about, you know, as we kind of step into 2023 and we're thinking about planning for that. Um, but before I let you go, Ben, um, I wanted to ask you a, a question unrelated to this, but sort of related. Um, any retention tools besides Gatsby that you can't live without right now? Like what's what's in Ben's like top tech stack right now? If you had to give me like three or four. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, Gatsby is definitely one of them. Um, you know, the shameless plug for Wonderment, um, <laughs> to be honest, uh, has been really great over the course of the last six months since I've sort of fully dove in um, to what you guys are doing. Um, I really love uh, at its at its core, right? The simple thing of you send a shipping confirmation and sending someone to your website, regardless of like you know if all that's on that page, and you can certainly do more with Wonderment and adding you know dynamic information and content to that landing page. But just not sending someone to USPS.com, not sending someone to UPS, not just um, sending the tracking number with no link to anywhere. And then your email tool is picking it up as a tracking number because you're using Gmail and you're clicking through, it's going to a Google search. Like just, just being able to link users directly to the site and give them an update on shipping is, is enough for me as a sell to say to brands like you should do this. <laughs> um, and it's been really great for, for everybody that we brought onto the platform. Um, and you know, that crossover and this is, I'm going down another rabbit hole, but you know, this is a big reason why like Clavio has kind of shifted the focus to kind of refer to themselves as a platform, as a, you know, a customer data platform and a place to be a central hub for different information for your business. You know, that integration with Clavio so that you can trigger the relevant messaging is, is really, really important. Um, you know, there's some others, I mean, for reviews, I'm a big fan of Junip. Um, I really like what the guys are over there are doing. Um, I love, again, the integration with Clavio and being able to um, serve prompts for users to leave that review from Clavio. And then once that review is left, serve additional information that, that can you know, trigger a flow or uh, trigger dynamic content within a message like on, on the Clavio side. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's probably more I should shout out, but there's so many like really good apps and services that are out there that can help to enhance the the customer experience you know the, the types of things I, i'd say that I, I try to stray away from um are the like you know gimmicky apps and services that are out there I, I won't necessarily like put any out by name but i'm sure everyone has experienced this when you know when they go to a website and it's like hey so and so purchased this five minutes ago in st louis mm -hmm. missouri and it's like no they didn't um <laughs> it's all like it's either bs information or it, it's real information but like I, I don't, it doesn't really resonate. It doesn't really play a factor in whether or not I'm going to buy. Totally. Um, and so like things like that, we, we definitely try to avoid, but, you know, but for the tools that have some, some sort of utility for, um, you know, for customers that, that we work with, like we're, we're they typically will, will sit high on a recommendation list. Another, actually, I should give another shout out um, and, and 
trust me for everybody listening. I have not, <laughs> I've not been paid to like give any of these plugs, <laughs> but, um, but I am, uh, you know, to be straightforward, I am in a lot of partner programs for sure. But um, uh, Elevar has been really, really great for a lot of merchants that we work with. Um, there's a lot of different ways to leverage Elevar, to use Elevar, um, you know, to benefit your brand. Like for the folks that are, I'd say a little bit more of an advanced level. I mean, for it to be a more intensive tagging system and something that you leverage as you're running split tests and content changes on site, like that's one bucket. But um you know, the bucket where a lot of merchants that we work with that will ultimately like use the tool is for data clarity around their advertising, um, mm-hmm. which nobody has obviously right now post iOS 14.5. And, you know, a lot of times when I'm talking to clients about potentially using Elevar, you know, it's a question of, you know, okay, what, what information will I see? What data and reports? And, and it's not that it, it's a data connector. It's not a, a business intelligence tool. It's not a reporting engine, but it's something that's going to take the information from Facebook ads and Google ads and Klaviyo and Shopify and Google analytics and be able to spit information back into, uh, um, you know, into Facebook business manager, into Google ads so that it can do two things. One, it'll improve in platform uh, metrics, which is, you know, which is fine. It's sort of neither here nor there. It's not like the most important thing, but um, two, the, the, the thing that is important is, um, giving more information to the Facebook algorithm, for example, to say, okay, these are the things that are working. These are the things that are converting. It's helping to bridge that gap between the data loss from iOS 14.5 and what we used to have of understanding like, you know, regardless of attribution model, what um, what users are actually converting. And if we have a better idea of what users are actually converting, then Facebook can kind of do what it needs to do in, in doing a better job at finding other users that might ultimately convert, that might ultimately buy something, might sign up for something, or might do X, Y, Z. And Elevar has been a really impactful tool for that. Um, awesome. I think, so yeah. yeah, I've heard a lot of great things about, you know, folks, what they're doing with Elevar. Great, great shout out. I think also great shout out with Junip Stewart. You know, I just talked with him the other day. Uh, love what Junip is building. Um, and I think that, you know, all these things kind of customer experience focused, but also giving more visibility and insight to um, so, so valuable. Um, but Ben, this has been awesome. And I, I really appreciate you giving the time and just sharing your knowledge. I've learned a lot on content and also, you know, what you're thinking about with your tech stack now too. But before we, I let you go too, I wanted to ask where can folks get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing, maybe partner with you, um, where should they go to get in touch with you? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Super simple. It's just benzettler.com, B-E-N-Z-E-T-T-L-E-R. I'm fairly active on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. All my social handles are just at benzettler. Um, you know, folks can catch me there and I'm always happy to have conversations, whether it's somebody looking for a new partnership or if somebody's just got a question about, um, you know, something to do with their e-commerce store or if, if somebody's interested in working with us, uh, happen to have those conversations as well. Awesome. And then we'll link out to that in the show notes. Anyone listening who wants to get in touch with Ben, uh, but dude, really, really appreciate the, the honest conversation and, and dropping so much knowledge. We'll have to have you on again, uh, on the show again soon to talk more about influencers, content and, and all that good stuff. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me.